Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, September 12th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated, joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. We are a couple days removed from Notre Dame's second loss of the season in as many games. Marshall came into Notre Dame Stadium, defeated the Irish 26-21. to It reminded me a lot of Cincinnati from last year. Uh, of course, Marshall didn't have the fanfare that Cincinnati did coming into Notre Dame Stadium, but it was a lot like it in that Marshall had talent that showed itself during the game. Notre Dame's talent didn't step forward. Marshall had a couple cornerbacks that could play press man, and uh, you know they could load the box and stop the run in the process with the confidence that their corners could handle Notre Dame's wide receivers. So similar result, 26-21, Notre Dame's 0-2. And oh, by the way, Notre Dame lost their quarterback on Saturday. Tyler Buckner suffered what uh, – he did say AC sprain, right? He yeah. Did, he yes. did use that term. High level, though. High, high le- Okay, high yeah. level AC was... sprain, which means surgery, Dr. Radigan, four months recovery, out for the season, Drew Pines is starting quarterback. Tim? Yeah, it, we talked about this briefly on instant analysis. The, the real killer, it's twofold for me, is one, Tyler Buckner needed to keep playing to grow as a player as the season progressed and going into next year. I think that's the, the long-term picture, the, the big picture. The other thing is, if, if Drew Pine had to be inserted before the Ohio State game, you'd think, all right, well, this is going to be a problem. They're going to lose to Ohio State. But they can lean on the offensive line, the running game, and Drew Pine's leadership and some smarts, and they can still salvage. They can still have a good year. You know, Now you know that the offensive line cannot be led on. They cannot lean on the offensive line. The running back situation... Nobody knows who the starting running back is. Me, you, Marcus Freeman, Dylan McCullough, Tommy Reese. They have no clue. I brought it up today at the press conference. And Tyler Buckner was their best weapon by running the ball. Which is why he got hurt at the end of the game. Which is because why we said Drew, he would always get hurt at, at carry. during the game. Yeah. yeah, just not the Marshall game on your 13th carry. Because <laughs> that, that should have been a game where he, he should have run five times. Um because they had a functional run game and an offensive line that was operating properly and receivers who could go up and make plays, you know, that Norim's entire offense was Tyler Buckner's legs and Michael Mayer. That was it. That was the only thing that functioned as designed on Saturday. Styles, with styles of kind what, of like right? styles reverse yeah. play for what, 22 yards. Um, that was kind of it. Um, they thought that they could be a deep shot, pass game which keeps your completion percentage down that's fine but your yards per attempt goes way up but if you're one for seven on throws of 20 yards or more uh and the one is a wheel route to michael mayer like that's that's just a misread on who you are offensively i think that what is there are a lot of things that are alarming about Notre Dame football right now but by far and away for me the biggest one is the misread by the coaching staff of the players available what they do well what they struggle at um, because you, I don't think you can look at the game plan, particularly offensively, and feel like Tommy Reese has a handle on the strengths and weaknesses of the team, because if he did, it would have had to have looked so much different than it did. I want to uh, start my comments the same way I started my Thursday thought comments, and that is, before I get to all the things that I say about Notre Dame, uh, <laughs> Mar- 
Marshall came in and I, I mean, Charles Huff and his two coordinators, Trickett and Gidry just did a fantastic job of knowing Notre Dame and taking them apart. And then their, their players executed perfectly. I mentioned about, you know, the corners playing press man. And, and so you can put as many guys in a box as you want and stop the run because Notre Dame is not going to beat you on the outside. It reminded me of Cincinnati uh, from last year. So uh, I got Andre Sam, their, their safety number 20 coming off the edge. They couldn't account for Nordic didn't have enough hats in the box to account for him. Um, and he had a great game. I love their corners. Um, you know, the best team won, the, the most prepared team won. And I've been pounding this uh, narrative since the end of the game. I mean, ev in every aspect, in every important aspect of that game, Marshall was better than Notre Dame. And so that's why I asked, you know, a question that I didn't really want to ask Marcus Freeman after the game by his inexperience, but I don't, I don't know how you don't go there when you were beaten in every facet of the game. So um, yeah, this, uh, it's pretty amazing that things turn as quickly as they do. As we always say, every seven days is different and it's a lot different uh, than it was coming out of Ohio state, even though that was a loss, Notre Dame, at least like you felt like Notre Dame had something to build upon. Now their quarterbacks hurt. The defense is not playing very good football when the game matters the most, you know, I mean, this isn't about like, it's like, Oh, well, you're mentioning the defense more than you're blaming the offense. We're not, it's not a, I mean, we're, we're not trying to weigh this weigh them on a scale here. Obviously the offense is in a worse place starting the season than the defense was, but you felt like you could count on the defense and the times that you haven't been able to count on the defense or when the game has been on the line. So, um, yeah, a, a, a lot to say bad about Notre Dame, but really, really impressed with Charles Huff and the and, and just the demeanor that they came into Notre Dame Stadium with and the confidence that they played and the execution and the knowledge that they were the better football team. I, I mean, I think Charles Huff did a good job of convincing and sharing with his players why they were the better football team. Just they like I, I, I was going to say, like on the defense, Notre Dame ranks 102nd nationally in yards per carry allowed. Like, that is what it is. Like the defense is not, they've done a few good things, but they're not playing consistent football. And clearly they've been gassed, uh, gashed on the ground in the fourth quarter of back-to-back -back games. And that's significant. Well, gashed on the ground in the fourth quarter and not creating turnovers, which is another topic today at the press conference. Yep. If you don't create any turnovers and you're not stopping the run late in the game and you are guaranteed to play close games, you, you can't get away from anyone right now. That's the, you're, you're, you're in good shape if you play close games the rest of the way if you're Notre Dame because you cannot get away offensively from other teams. The, the margin of error is so small for the offense when Jarrett Patterson has a false start on third and three, you think to yourself in the press box, there is no way they're getting this on third and eight. And that's not really how it's supposed to be, right? You're not supposed to think this can't happen on a third and eight <laughs> inside Notre Dame Stadium against Marshall. But that's exactly what it was. And that's that's a small margin for error to not be able to make small mistakes at the start of a season. Marcus yeah. talks about how young they are. If they're that inexperienced, they're going to be making more mistakes. Yeah. I, I, you hate to see that happen to Patterson. Cause he, he played well. He I, did, I thought, but that's the thing. He okay. He made one mistake and all of a sudden it's catastrophic. No, but I mean, as far <laughs> as the execution of, of blocks and recognizing where he needed to help, he may have been the only guy out there on the offensive line that, that recognized all those things, but I thought he played well. I thought Joe Alt did some good things in the run game. 
but man, I, I, what, you know, we all know Harry, he stands a, a, a quality offensive line coach, but all we heard last year about Jeff Quinn was that, and I, and we, I said it too, we said it too, that, you know, fundamentally they're not sound. Do they look, how fundamentally sound does the yeah. offensive line look? I, they're, they look like um, um, paralysis by analysis. Are they scared of Harry Heastan's reaction to making a mistake? Because quite frankly, that's how they've played. They don't move. They don't move their feet. And I, I mean, you're just you're the only guy that got any consistent push was Patterson, and all to some extent, not Fisher, not Fisher either. You know what I don't understand is, you know, it's a it's a it's a inside zone, outside zone. They're they run inside zone, and I understand the offensive linemen are supposed to peel off to the second level, but not at the expense of not blocking the guy that is providing imminent danger for your running back. You can't just brush by him and go to the second level. There is no second level if you don't pick him up. And it's just reflected in a consistent inability to run the football. Logan Diggs is not ready to play football. I I mean, he, 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 Nordham had a, a, a sudden change on the fourth and one. They took over at the 50 Diggs ran wide and gained zero, ran wide and gained none, and then blew the blitz pickup on third and eight. He's not ready to play football. He's in either he's not physically healthy or he's in the wrong frame of mind to play football. So, um, you know, the, the, the injury to Tyler Buckner now throws it into Drew Pine's lap. I have confidence in his confidence. That, that, I mean, that's, you're, you're, I mean, you're looking at that. What are the assets that Drew Pine brings to the equation? His preparation has been great. He's prepared like a, a, a starter. He uh, provides great leadership to his teammates. I haven't said anything yet. About, I haven't mentioned a physical trait yet. And Marcus Freeman had difficulty doing that as well, right, Tim? Yeah, and he actually, eventually, when not coming up with a physical trait that he found for Drew Pine, he said his arm strength, but I don't think is actually a physical trait for Drew Pine <laughs> that we can we can agree upon is not Drew Pine's strength in terms of his athletic ability and passing ability. I wouldn't say arm strength is it. You could say, well, he's accurate on this particular throw and he reads this out well. What surprised me about Pine, and this is unfair, is he looked uh, gun shy, did not want to pull the trigger when he went in there. And I just thought it would be the opposite. I thought he was in a situation where, all right, you're in, go. Yeah, I mean, you, there's no time to think. And he definitely was afraid to pull the trigger on some of those. Now, maybe, credit Marshall, they were covering people. <laughs> Sometimes when you drop back, you don't want to pull the trigger because you don't trust your arm. And they're not, and they're, and they're covered. So, I mean, I get that. I just thought Drew Pine would look, I thought Drew Pine would, in that situation, I think I said it multiple times this summer, if you throw in Drew Pine in that situation, He'll do well in that situation. It's when people can game plan for him and the season gets longer that I think he'll run into trouble. And now the season's about to get much longer than I ever thought it was going to get in terms of Drew Pine starting or playing a major role. I, I agree with Freeman in the sense that like the offense doesn't need to make a massive amount of change from Tyler Buckner. They can still do RPO stuff. They can still do zone read stuff. They can till, still take shots down the field. Um, that's okay. Like I, in some ways I feel like Drew Pine is, you know, you mentioned sort of, you know, you, you didn't want him to be gun shy out there. I, I feel like he's too cavalier a lot of times, but uh, he wasn't in this game. He, he was, he was afraid to throw the ball <clears throat> in those first couple of dropbacks. Yeah. I just, you know, it's, 
be more accurate than Tyler Buckner? Yeah, I think so. Um, not a whole, not, he, hold on. <laughs> not by a whole lot. No, he won't be okay. by a whole lot. Not, not by a whole lot. How many times, including practice settings, going back to last year, how many times have we seen him have difficulty throwing the ball over that defender in between him oh, and the receiver? So, yeah. so I, much. I, I, and that, half a dozen, that is, half a dozen that times is, at least. You're understating it. Um, I, I think maybe like per practice, um, that may have happened, and because that, it's just like the way that he's built. It's not like he's five ten. That's like that's how it is. Like he's five ten. Um, so I think that is one place where Reese really needs to move the offense is get Pine out of the pocket because throwing to the pocket doesn't make any sense. It's and I I thought they were going to do more of that with Buckner. I mean, th- this is sort of one of the things that I try to chart during the season. And I think in, out of the pocket, I have, you know, in terms of attempts out of the pocket, I have Buckner at three attempts through two games in the pocket, 47. So that going to have to get a lot more creative with that. I agree with that. And I, and I, you know, especially with Buckner, because then you have the run pass option outside the pocket, but yeah, they, that's they what haven't, I thought would be a big yeah, part of it. They, they haven't done that. And what, you know, what pine needs now is some receivers that are going to win a physical battle with a corner. Well, we sure as hell didn't see that on Saturday because Jaden Thomas had an opportunity to use his six to 215 pound frame. You know, I'm talking about the pick six And maybe the ball wasn't placed perfectly, but a big reason it wasn't placed perfectly was because in a hand fight with uh, Gilmore, Gilmore threw him off balance. So he wasn't in a position to make a play, let alone do something to prevent Gilmore from making the the pick. And, and, and Braden Lindsay has now had 10 passes thrown toward him with two completions, including an interception in which he did not use his body to shield Micah Abraham away from the football. So, Pine's going to have to be extremely accurate. He's not that accurate to begin with. Does anybody want to doubt me on that? Anybody want to question? I read, somewhere question? Else. I read somewhere else that he was really good in the scrimmage. Really? Was it yep. all the other, was it yeah. all the other websites said that he was? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that makes it, that makes it, uh, <laughs> that makes it very difficult moving forward. I question for you guys. If Tyler Buckner hits the easiest deep ball, opportunity we've seen in a couple of years what do you think happens in that game at the end of the half i don't know but that's a game yeah yeah that's a big one that's huge i mean that's so demoralizing deflating to marshall at that time and here's the problem with that here's the problem with that the way notre dame and marshall should match up that missed opportunity should have been oh they missed knocking them out in the first half and making it 26 to 7 as opposed to, oh, thank God they pulled ahead to end this half. That's going to be huge momentum change because they just, they, it is so important. They hit those. It's that's, that's the offense is they have so mar- the margin for error is so yeah. slim. You're, it's you're absolutely right. I do want to give Marcus Freeman credit for Norton was up 15 to 12 and they had a fourth and one at, I want to say like the 45 of Marshall and he went for it and they converted it because if you can go down and score, they got, to, they got a, you know, they got a 22 to 12 lead at that point. So yeah. he went for it, even though the repercussions of not converting that would have been significant and he would have been ripped to shreds, you know, uh, if they hadn't converted and then Marshall goes down and scores. 
Uh, but he, but he has been aggressive in those situations, but the offense, uh, the offense couldn't capitalize upon that. So anyway, we have, uh, plenty of other things to complain about in segment two. <laughs> and, and, and we will do that. And this segment of Ivers Illustrated Insider is uh, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Located on Fremont Street in historic downtown Las Vegas, Circa is the home of the world's largest sports book where you can watch up to 19 games at one time. Want to be outside? That's no problem. There's no better place to take in all of college football and NFL action then stadium swim, six pools on three levels and a 40 foot tall high depth screen to watch all the action. Irish fans, when you come to town for the Nordian BYU game, Circa is the place for you. For reservations and more information, go to CircaLasVegas.com. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the leprechaun's game day at Notre Dame an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. In 1916, Irish rebel forces have taken up position on the north side of Dublin's St. Stephen's Green Park. They exchange fire with the British to the south. Suddenly, a man enters the park with a brown bag above his head. Both sides cease fire. The park's groundskeeper has come to feed the ducks. For the next six days, there is a daily ceasefire so the ducks can be fed. Learn more when you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. Burning Up the Boards is brought to you by Game Day Your Way. Notre Dame football fans, make your trip to South Bend easy this fall with the help of Game Day Your Way. Services include tailgates, transportation, tickets, and more, making Game Day your one-stop shop for Notre Dame football weekend. Learn more at gamedayyourway.com and use promo code IRISHPOD22 to save 10% on your tailgate package. First question of segment two, Burning Up the Boards from Jim Booney, CRS. How many personnel changes in the starting lineup do you think we'll see? <clears throat> Not a lot, I don't think. I mean, maybe maybe Chris Tyree becomes the, the the starter at running back. I thought that, I mean, certainly based upon what Marcus Freeman said, it didn't sound like there were going to be changes on the offensive line. I don't, I don't, you know, I mean, it could be pretty seamless if you want to put Patterson back at center and Christophic at left left guard. And then you have the lineup that, you know, you kind of envisioned um you know, beginning last year, I know uh, Fisher was hurt, what have you, but I, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Um, defensively, you know, I wrote about this in, in Tale to Tape. I mean, I, the, the solution, making changes, you, you can't just make changes for the sake of making changes. It has to be something that you think could be an upgrade based upon what you're seeing happening in practice or in a game. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think that's going to be the response to this situation. Do you think they take a look at things like Patterson going to center with Christophe guard or Michael Carmody having a couple weeks in a bye week at a guard position to see if he could lend some athleticism be, to the situation? Yeah, no, right I think side? that'd be, yeah, I, there's no doubt he'd bring athleticism. And, and they, the, the word on him last year was that he's, 
you know, kind of ahead of the game strength wise. So, I mean, I think that's a good suggestion. It, 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 certainly, obviously you get the feeling that Harry, he stands not real high on Christophic. So yeah, that, yeah, you know, that's, that's not a, that's not a move then that they automatically look to, but you know, I mean, God bless him, but I mean, Zeke Carell is just not making any there, there there's just no push whatsoever. And, and when you watch, you watch some of these plays in slow motion, the ball is snapped. There's a slight move forward and then there's a pushback. And, and the, the, the point of attack for Marshall offensively was past the original line of scrimmage. And for Notre Dame, it was behind it. It just flat out, especially in the middle of the line. Changes, Pete? I don't, I don't think there's a lot. I think that I was sort of getting in, tried to ask Marcus about this today, and you sort of asked this to Marcus about this. I, I think the changes are more about playing fewer guys than playing different guys. Um, I think that the rotation on defense, especially at the end of the game where you have Vitello in and Ramon Henderson in, Aaronsberger in, um, Jaden Mickey was in on the 42-yard run. Like At the end of the game, your top guys have to be on the field the whole time. Um, if you want to rotate in the second quarter, I, that's the time to do it. Um, maybe the third quarter in the fourth quarter, if the focus is in fact finishing, you need to finish with your best players. Uh, and so I, I think that that, that would be less, you know, Tobias Merriweather is the easy, like, why isn't he out there? Um, you know, could he run a go route? I'm sure that he could, you know, having a six, five guy out there instead of a, 5'11 guy would make sense if, if that's all you're going to ask him to do. But, you know, that's not – I don't think coaches look at football that way where you can just be a gadget player and be out there. So, aside from tightening up the rotation on defense, I don't think there's a lot of, like, guys on the bench that are going to spark uh, a massive improvement. You know, I don't, the offensive line, you know, in the we've seen that change in bye weeks. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to change this week. Yeah. Hey. The only problem of the waiting for the bye week is you can't be zero and four um, because of your offensive line. You got to make sure that's not. I'm not. I don't. I don't think they'll lose both their next two games, but they could. Let's be realistic, right? They have to. Yeah. They have to score on Cal, and they probably have to keep keep up the wrong word. They they have to score on Cal, which is hard, and they have to score more because North Carolina will score naturally by the modern era of the football football against Notre Dame's. They, North Carolina has an offense that can score, so that they're probably going to score. Well, a little North Dame's an underdog going to North Carolina. Yeah, it, it's so. I, I, my thing with Merriweather, and this is a joke, right? we always, you know, they're not taking out Scotty Pippen. You can put in Tobias Merriweather for 10 plays to find out if he can help your offense, right? Because what are you doing? You're taking out Jaden Thomas, Braden Lindsay, one snap for Lorenzo Styles, something along those lines where you can see if he can help because you're playing four receivers. <laughs> what? I have to stress this. You're, it's not like Merriweather can't break into the seven-man rotation. They, you can get him in a game. It's there's strange. no way you're going to get through a season with four four receivers in a three wide out no. offense. And, and to I, Pete's point about the re- the weird rotation defensively is your depth is supposed to allow you to play your best players in the fourth quarter. Right, exactly. I thought, Fos- I thought Foskey was hurt. I mean, I figured Foskey <laughs> yeah. was hurt. Where, where's Foskey? <laughs> I, yeah, no, I agree. I, yeah, in second quarter, everything you guys are saying here, I, I agree, but I, you know, you're, you're writing it down as, as you're, you're, you're mapping out the game. It's like, 
I think we even said, is that Aaronsberger's in there? Yeah, no, we brought it up. And, and they have long, they have often subbed on the second drive of the game with defensive linemen. Mike Elston did it too. I always found it like, wow, that is fast. They must really have faith in those guys. I, it, it's also strange to me. You know, this might be a tempo thing. It's a good question to ask Freeman or if we get golden at a bye week. I guess we're not getting bye week coordinators because Notre Dame is 0 2. But I would like to know. If they if they sub in that rally form where a whole unit comes in, like the hockey line change, because they're facing tempo. Like it would be nice maybe to not bring Adamiola cross Mills and Foskey off at the same time. One or two <laughs> and then rotate in. But that could be combating like against tempo. It might be hard to do that. You might lend yourself to situational substitution penalties and stuff like that. Question from GTR. Who should Notre Dame start a quarterback with or without injury? So I, I guess the point here is that. Buckner's not hurt. Should they have continued to start Buckner? Yes. Am yes. I reading 100%. that? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, there's 100%. Absolutely. Next question. Factor 37. When Al Golden was hired, the thought was that he was an experienced coach who could help coach Freeman and be a sounding board wise counsel. Is there anyone filling that role on offense with Tommy Reese? Yet last year they had Brian Kelly yeah. last year. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I mean, so Parker's coordinated before, and I think Pete and I talked about this in June. We we disagreed that, or maybe it was the spring, that he stand could be a sounding board for Reese. Um, but it's more along the lines of let's let's focus on this focal point of the running game, Tommy, and then he's done with that part probably. So maybe not. Maybe unless it's Parker, who is the newest guy to the staff at the time. Yeah, but it, but who I, who else would it be? I mean, I think it's Parker. Yeah. It's not he stands involved in his deal and. I don't, I don't think that that's, that's part of his coaching yeah. acumen or, or that he wants it to be. No, that was, I remember when he was hired the first time, one of Brian Kelly's big compliments of he stand was like, we're hiring an offensive line coach who just wants to be an offensive right, line right, coach. He's right. not trying to be a co-coordinator in any way. And I think that's, that still holds true, but yeah, it's, I mean, you miss, you miss John McNulty in this moment. Um, you miss, I, you know, I hate this. I know people don't want to hear this. You miss Brian Kelly in this moment. Like, you know, Brian Kelly for his faults, and we've discussed many of them on this podcast, and we've all written tens of thousands of words about them. Like, pretty <laughs> good job at steering a program through a storm, which is what, whether you created the storm or not. Um, and that's sort of what Notre Dame needs most right now. Yeah. All Brian Kelly did was defeat 42 straight unranked teams. That's all they can do is you're still in the playoff run. If Notre Dame had a 43 game winning streak against unranked teams, but yeah, now you're is, not, this is the time to bring it up 10 straight years. This is when Notre Dame's second loss occurred. Okay. Never September 28th. That was 2013 against Oklahoma, November 8, November 28, September 17. I think we all know what year that is. November 11, never. October 26, that was Michigan. Yeah. January 1, January 1. It's a lot of contention. September 10 this year. September 10 sounds like September 17 right now. Yeah. That's the that's the issue. Jay Pidel 10. What the heck is going on with the defensive line? That's I, I say that like all the time in these every time I'm hanging out Saturdays nowadays. How is it possible they've regressed? Is it an indictment on Al Washington's coaching? Or are they being out are they being coached to play this way in Al Golden's scheme? Missing Mike Elston right about now. 
I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think used, we have an answer. For yeah, it. I mean, they're used to being coached by Mike Elston, Al Walshton, a little bit of a different approach. Is this a is is this a L Golden thing? I, I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know that I have the answer. Is it a lack of focus? I, are there were there too many other things going on with the program as the season approached? I have no idea what the, why I, the defense wouldn't be playing well. I know people point to Cross and Lacey being 280-pound nose tackles with Chris Smith not well, being there. I would there. agree with that, and I think Rubio Rubio played on the goal line, and I think they should – that might be a guy that you try to add in the middle of the field because he's 6'5 and a quarter, 295. Yeah. I, I do get, though, their point, that um, Al Washington's point, that it was going to be okay with those two because, if you recall, the games they missed Kurt Heinisch last year were Wisconsin and Cincinnati – and Cross and Lacey were outstanding against Wisconsin. They totally stifled a run-only offense. You should have been able to stifle Marshall's run-only offense with veteran Cross and veteran Lacey and, and all these guys. It is – I am shocked that they were able to run the ball that well in Notre Dame. I got yeah, – I, mean, I got – I was just that when you watch the replay, there, don't you feel like you're like, why are Notre Dame defensive linemen getting plowed down the field? Right. Like that – that happens too often where you're just watching a guy get moved one-on-one. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can't speak to the technique on this one. I don't know if the defensive line sort of thought it was better than it was. I, it's, it's baffling to me. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I think you guys kind of felt the same way. I thought the biggest mismatch in this game was Nordim's defensive line against Marshall's yeah, offensive sure. line. And that yeah. was not the case. I might as well go ahead and, and throw in this question near the end, which is from Irish John M. Were the losses of Kurt Heinish and Myron Tagovailoa are most more important than we realize? The defense is getting gashed up the middle without those two. Now, MTA was on the outside last year, but Kurt Heinish was a constant for Notre Dame in the middle of their defensive line. And with the exception of, was it, it must have been 2019 when, uh, there were some periods where they were getting pushed off the ball in the middle of the, in the middle of the yeah, line. Well, I can Mich- remember, Michigan was a big one. Right. I remember lamenting that, that, that season, but with the exception of that, that didn't happen when Kurt Heinisch was in a Notre Dame uniform. No. And as I, I, I kind of pointed out, it didn't happen when he was out of a Notre Dame uniform last year either. I know it was only two games, but this is only two games. <laughs> like they, they destroyed Wisconsin's running game with Howard Cross and Jacob Lacey inside. And they limited what did Cincinnati have? 80 rushing, 80 rushing yeah, yards. Lacey and, was tremendous. That Yeah, day. it's it. I get it. If you're saying they're going against the best offensive line of the country and they're a little undersized and Georgia's manhandling them. Well, then, yeah, I would have considered Alabama maybe manhandling Lacey and cross. But this is not what's happening. And even even Ohio State is, you know, we we thought even though Ohio State has a lot of talent, Notre Dame would win the day up front against Ohio State. You don't win the day if you lose the fourth quarter, even though you, they played well prior to that. It's it's strange to me, and I don't have a great answer. Can you imagine? Can, can you? That was our mindset nine days ago. At, at this moment, nine and days they did ago, well for three quarters. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. But that's. It's, not I mean, mindset. it's the one position. Like I know Marcus Freeman has talked about. You know, they're young in some spots. They're not young on the defensive line, or at linebacker, or incredibly, in incredibly veteran group. Um, incredibly veteran group. And that has not shown itself nearly as much as we thought it would. And I mean, Riley Mills received a good number of, of reps on the inside against Marshall. And, and which that, I wonder, and, was that Chris Smith being hurt? 
it, it, it may have been, but I mean, they're still getting gashed. And, and that, he, that, it wasn't only Smith being hurt though, Tim, because you knew, you told me before the game, watch for Justin starting. Yeah. That they Riley were going to play. And, and he did. Right. So that, right. that was a plan, part of the plan. But I, for the first time, I felt like the more reps that Justin Adam Alola got, the less return they were getting. And, and I've never felt that way before, right. but he hasn't, you know, rarely has he, he gotten an extensive number of, of reps in a game. But for the first time, I, I'm like, okay, now he's, he took a wrong, wrong angle there. He took a wrong path there. He allowed, he, he lost contain on the edge. You know, I, I like the idea of, of, of bumping Mills inside and using just Adam Alola, you know, and Isaiah Foskey at end, but, you're thin at end, really. I mean, how many guys do you want to run out there that you have a whole lot of confidence in? So even that situation's not heading in the right direction. Thunder 2002, do you believe Tyler Buckner will be the starting quarterback for Notre Dame next season? Do you believe Tommy Reese will be Notre Dame's offensive coordinator next year? Not whether he should or should not be, but will he be? Oh, O'Malley, I defer uh, to you on this question. I believe they both will be in their positions of starting quarterback and OC next year. Um, man, the Tyler Buckner, he just, he's back in January, guys. Is this a CJ Carr reclassification, or is it more uh, more along the lines of they better go get the next Jack Cone? It, it could be that. It could yeah. be uh, Angeli gets in the game and establishes himself over the last month of the season. I don't I don't know. Um. You know, I, I would say I, Buckner was going to improve this year and make strides as a player. It's bad that he's not playing. Yeah. Yeah. True, yeah. I, guess. I mean, it really, it, it, it really, really obviously hurts his progress moving forward. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, if, if this season continues to go in the direction it is and the offense can't shake its way out of this, I'm not saying that Notre Dame makes a move, but maybe Tommy Reese makes a move. I don't know. I mean, maybe an opportunity, an opportunity in NFL will probably always be there for him. I don't know. This is like, I, I saw some, you know, I s- totally skipped over the questions that asked, you know, about record over the next 10 games. I mean, hell, we can't even, we can't even pick the Nordic Marshall game. I, I, there, <laughs> I can't get into no, October. Is, November. I'm not, uh, also, let's be fair. Now, Notre Dame doesn't deserve to be two and oh, obviously, but if you hit Braden Lindsay on that pass, <laughs> And if C.J. Stroud doesn't make the play of the year so far on a on a scramble left, we look at Notre Dame differently. We would know they're flawed. We would know that that Georgia would boat race them and blow up their offensive line and use some of their interior linemen as projectile devices to hit Buckner. But we would look at them differently, right? We would. That's what winning and losing. Yeah, that's the difference between winning and losing. I think Tommy course. Reese is a much better chance of being here now than. If Notre Dame scored 37 and 42. Well, true. No, true. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. that he's going to go to the NFL as a coordinator, but he could go to the NFL as a quarterback, quarterback's right. coach. Uh, I don't, you know, I, again, it's, cool. I look at this like predicting that this is just, it's way, way it's too, too much. From, there's too much ground to cover between now and then. Right. There like is. I'm just, I'm just looking back at the 2011 schedule. The last time they started at 0 and 2 and remembering all the crap that happened after that. And to sit here and try to predict that, okay, they're going to win four straight, then come into that USC game, first night game with the gold helmets. You had the Reese Chris, like whatever that was that night. Favorite by nine. And they win another four games. 
Um, you know, it's like the last time they started 0-2, they were 8-3 and uh, going into the final two games of the year. So, like, they kind of got it together. But, um, man, you just look at back at the, the games about what it took to get it together. Uh, it is – I mean, you had the – your priester, your great Brian Kelly, uh, you know, the guys I recruited, the guys I inherited, whatever like that happened that season. Um, there's well, a lot fun. of ground to cover between now and then a lot. So like to predict like what next year is going to look like. Thunder 2002. It's a, it's an interesting question. And, yes. and, yeah. and I, and I, and I totally get it. And I think, you know, some things could happen that would certainly I think Thunder 10 or 11 games between now and next yeah. year. Yeah. I, mean, I think Thunder meant grad trans. I mean, transfer quarterback. In the well, that too. Yeah. Uh, okay. And that, yeah, yeah. That, well, how do they. Uh, it depends on how if, good he is. If, if, CJ, if, if, if he's really good, it doesn't matter how you affect Tyler Buckner's feelings. If CJ Carr doesn't move up to class of 2023 and they don't, or they don't, and, or they don't sign a guy in the class of 2023, they, they have to get a grad transfer quarterback or transfer. Year. They don't even need a grad transfer. Or tra- right. Transfer. Yeah. I, I say grad transfer out of habit, but now yeah. transfer can be done as well. Uh, question from Irish Mike, given the devastating pattern you laid out in your point after regarding Reese's mismanagement of recruiting and quarterback development, is it time to make a mid mid season change a la Brian Van Gorder in 2016? Uh, no, no. No, not even close. That would be a so big mistake. far away from that. that it would also that, be yeah. incredibly counterproductive to do it, it. I think. I mean, the BBG situation and Tommy, that, that would be a big mistake. First of all, the two situations are completely different because of the people, the because of who they are and what they mean to the program and what Tommy Reese means to the, the players, the quarterbacks, the offense. You, you, you cannot, it, that won't, that could never be considered by Marcus Freeman. Regardless, regardless what you think about Tommy Reese, I get it. I understand the sentiment and the, the momentum that's working against him out there among Nordane fans, but you can't, you can't do that. They won't do that. No, I mean, I, do you, I mean, do you even think, I don't think a school would do that. Well, I mean, Maybe, I, I mean, but would, I mean, would Notre Dame Meyer just did that at Ohio State. I, just did it six years ago with a coordinator. That's that's yeah, the whole Ohio point State of the did question. it last year with someone with that they liked that they respected as much as Reese going into the season. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Kerry Coombs was pretty well respected yeah. around Ohio State. Regardless, there's no way in hell this is happening. Yeah, you just. It's just not right for the situation. Again, I understand. I guess we should the explain why the there's question. no way. Well, Pete, like you just pointed out, they respected Kerry Coombs. They did it. Why is there no way in hell this one's happening then? Because we, Tommy, we explain it. Why? Be, I thought I thought I just did. I mean, Tommy, Tommy Reese, the personality and what he means to the quarterback's room, what he means to the offense, what he means to the program. Yeah, I, uh, I, the I just, perception on the outside is way, way different on the inside. So it would be and, counterproductive to do it. It would be very counterproductive. It's yeah, it's bad enough as state situation. Then. It's bad enough as the situation is. That would make it. What would you? That would make it worse. It's a fair question and understandable considering they did it six years ago with a coordinator. But the two people and the personalities and situations very very different. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce that. There we go. Yeah, I think it's F sixteen in terms of fighting Irish. F sixteen Irish football. 
Why is Chris Tyree not the starter, and why does he barely touch the ball? I asked this question at the podcast at the press conference today. He's Notre Dame's best player on offense besides Mayer. Three carries. You go, yeah, answer you answer first. He's not Notre Dame's best player besides Mayer. No, but three carries and two. Renzo targets. Styles is, but yeah, but he's he's a better player than Lawrence than Diggs is right now, and he's a better player than Estime is right now, and he's not getting. It's also well, he's a better player than Diggs. I, I don't know that he's going. He's is he going to be more productive between the tackles and Estime? Does he have I, to I get it between the tackles? No, he doesn't. They average about two point four yards a carry between the tackles and eight no. yards per carry on the outside. So I got to get the ball to Chris Tyree. Point taken. Yeah, go. Why not, Tim? You answer because you yeah, asked the question. I, I get that. I think the three running backs all have a place still. I'm not saying Chris Tyree, and I, I preface this to Marcus Freeman. He's at 20, 20, 22 carries. He'll right. be dead quicker than Tyler Buckner was dead. But it is amazing that he has seven carries, nine, nine carries in the season, and two targets. That's incredible. And you've lost twice. It's not like you're killing people and he's resting. The other yeah. two running backs have combined for 30 carries, I believe. Well, I, Logan I mean, Diggs last, like you do the rush efficiency, Logan Diggs was 0 for 7 yeah, against he was, Marshall, yeah. which is like really, that that's shocking. Um, I would take Logan Diggs' carries and I'd split them between Estime and Tyree, maybe not equally, um, but I would split I would split those up. I, I thought it goes back to what earlier question of like, how do you change the rotation? I don't think it's like playing new guys. I think it's playing guys in different proportions and then yeah. pulling back on some guys. I think it's hard for Chris Tyree to get three carries a game and hit a crease for 30 yards. But if you get him the ball 10 times, I think he'll hit one crease for you. I think that's fair. I thought 50, a dozen to 15 touches a game would have been great usage of Chris Tyree, and they're a long way from that right now. Well, they, they're not getting enough snaps per game. No, that, what are they that's in the, true, too. Yeah, yeah I, I mean – like if he would, if he would have got 15 touches against Ohio state, that would have been one third of their plays. Yeah. That, that would have been a challenge. <laughs> How many, but it could did, have been 14 carries for 14 yards and one for 47. That would have helped too. That's well, the thing. They, it's not, I don't think Audrey Estime and the Notre Dame offensive line is a great match right now. Yeah. And, and that was where, you know, I mean, because, because Marshall was able to put so many hats in the box I mean, Andre Sam, their safety was was coming off the edge and was getting to Estime before Estime could yeah. get to the point of attack. So, um, yeah, I you know that's why I say I think I, changes they could make. You probably see Chris Tyree in the starting lineup, and they try to get him the right. football in the opening series that Notre Dame has the football. Question from Lane K twenty four with Notre Dame season basically over. Yikes. And having zero shot at the playoffs, do you think a player like Michael Mayer might consider sitting out the rest of his time at Notre Dame? I think if Michael Mayer gets hurts his knee in November, he will sit out the rest of his time at Notre Dame. But other than that, no. No, I, I wouldn't expect him to play in the Cheez-It Bowl. But um, in terms of the rest of the season, I would not expect anything to change that. Yeah, I don't think Michael Mayer's makeup is such that a healthy Michael Mayer would give right. up on the team as a captain. I think most uh, first round draft picks on an eight and four team, if they hurt their knee in November, could consider not playing the final game or something along those lines, though, right? Like it just becomes prudent when that. Yes. Sure. Yeah. And Notre Dame season is not basically over. It's there are 10 no. games, right? There are 10 regular season games. They all matter. That's They're what the playoffs important. think. The playoffs is <laughs> that one's correct. <laughs> <laughs> 
Howen's 22. Do you think there's a chance that the team has been going too hard in practice, leaving them with not enough for the tank on game day? I think that's a fair enough question. Don't you? Yeah, hard to answer. Yeah, though, right. Hard to answer, but yeah. I think it's a fair right. question. Yeah, and I, just so people are clear, like I think there was something on Twitter about like, oh, they're practicing on Sunday as if it was a punitive measure. Mm-hmm. They would have practiced the Sunday after Ohio State as well, but their plane got delayed in Columbus. They weren't even home. So this is this is if they were two and zero, they would have practiced on Sunday this week. They're one two. They practice on Sunday this week. Um, so it's not a reactionary measure, but yeah, it's, um, I, it's worth considering like, you know, worn down in the fourth quarters of games. Have, did they, were they too physical in camp, but it's man, that I don't think any of the three of us can sit here and like, definitively answer that question. No, but, but I think we would probably agree that Marcus Freeman's camp is more physical than Brian Kelly's was. Yes. Yeah. Except except for during bye weeks on the way to the Michigan game. (laughs) That's that would be the exception. That definitely would be the exception. Question from DW stall 81 thoughts on Marcus Freeman's sideline demeanor, not saying he needs to be BK Saban or Kirby smart, but to me just seems extra subdued. Digging deep. I pass. I digging, digging deep for reasons as to pass on this one. I mean, the guys in his, I, I mean, I'm just talking out loud here, DW. Uh, he's in the third game that he's coaching and he's in a battle and he's trying to think straight and he's trying to do the right thing. And, he's, and he can't believe the score. Of the can't, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I think it's better that he's subdued and locked into making good decisions. And, and again, I, 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 he made a couple aggressive decisions that in victory, you would be more likely to go back and say, you know what, that was a that was a good decision. That worked. They went for it on fourth and one. If they follow through with the drive, they're up twenty-two to twelve. But those things again are completely forgotten with a loss. Yeah, sideline demeanor is the not even in my top hundred concerns of Notre Dame football right now. Nor is it even a concern at all. So I, yeah, I don't. I don't see that being an issue. Like, what the would be better if Marcus Freeman was yelling at people? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't I get why. I that's can't imagine what was going through his head on that pick six. Yeah, that, I, I know. I, mean, I think you guys use the photo, and we use the photo on the athletic. The photo of Marcus Freeman during the alma mater told me everything I need to know about Marcus Freeman. I didn't see it. What? It, what was it? It was like he was going to murder somebody. His, the, his facial expression, the anger. It was anger, not just, sadness. It, it looked like he was going to just rip somebody's head off. <laughs> uh, and he was going to hold himself back from doing so. But like his facial expression to me was like, you would not, you would not trifle with this individual at this moment. Um, but I think he understands that he probably, you know, he got coached incredibly hard in college, incredibly hard. Like he hated Luke Fickle at points in his career. Um, and I'm not saying he couldn't go there and be that kind of coach, but he's got a million other things to figure out. And I, I don't think that he sees the a return on investment from like just going off on his players on national television in practice, in meetings. Maybe it's a little bit different. I don't know. I want to bring this up at this point because we were all, I think we all saw 
the reaction by Jarrett Patterson uh, at, when the game ended, took his pads jersey off, and he was heading towards the t- tunnel before they they sang the alma mater. And I mean, you could you want to talk about a facial expression? I mean, the, the yeah. That, I mean, that he was angry. He was distraught. Yeah, that, was on, that was on our front page too. That yeah. Page. And I just, and, and I want to, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think too many people are out there saying, you know, terrible leader, this and that he's a two-time captain, but I just want to, I want to come to his defense because when you stop and consider everything that Jared Patterson has had to go through and the decisions that he's made in the best interest of himself, I mean, he, he made, he felt like coming back was in his best interest, but he also did things for the school that he represents. And he's, you know, I mean, he comes back to play for Harry. He stand and Harry, he stand moves him to guard. And, you know, you have a, you have a weight room injury that you can debate about who's responsible for that. You have a preseason injury this year where they already know he's banged up, but get back in there, Patterson, and he gets hurt again. And then he can't play against Ohio state and probably shouldn't be playing against Marshall, but he does. And he's lined up next to a guy playing his position poorly. I mean, how in the world, how are you supposed to feel if you've gone through everything that Jared Patterson has gone through? I respect Jared Patterson as a player, as a person, as a leader. And I just, if there's any negativity about how he reacted to that, I don't think that's particularly fair because the kid's gone through a hell of a lot. Can I point out the irony of back-to-back questions, wondering if Marcus Freeman should be more angry and screaming, and if Jarrett Patterson should not be so angry before the alma mater happens? Yes. <laughs> That's ironic. People are mad at Jarrett Patterson for being incredibly angry. It's something that went wrong. And I don't. Mar- Marcus Freeman's not angry enough, yeah. apparently. When this is I, I, I'm, the, I'm the king of giving a minority a, 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 an opinion that's in the minority right. legs. Okay? And so that's why I'm, I'm trying not to do that. But I know that there there will be some segment that think oh man he's not he's not doing his duties as captain he's not representing Notre Dame and I think that's unfair in the situation because the kid has given absolutely everything to the Notre Dame football program hundreds of players that have lost wanted to leave before the alma mater but they didn't lose to Marshall as a fifth year senior captain that went through everything you just said and that's why yeah. they didn't leave so that's right, what it was right. and he came back and listened Plus, that's qu- the saddest thing ever when that song is playing and Notre Dame loses if you're a yeah. Notre Dame football player yeah Last question from W. Jason P. Do you guys have the freedom to give opinions, criticize any facet of the program? It sure doesn't seem that way from the outside looking in. Pete? I mean, yeah. Didn't we go over this before? I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. Like, our responsibility is to give people an honest opinion of what we think is happening, write about it, talk about it, our responsibility is not to move the Notre Dame football program. I, I would hope that would be fairly obvious after. Uh, I don't think 10 it's years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how many games I was. Yeah. I, this is my 22nd season. And I think it was like my 135th home game. Like, do we seem like we're just, holding back in this, in this podcast? Have we held back? Have, are we holding back on criticism of. It is probably a minority opinion but it's a vocal minority and people think that the Notre Dame beat and we would be included. Do not speak against Notre Dame like Brian Kelly, Jack Swarbrick, 
Marcus Freeman now <laughs> because there'll be repercussions. I want to let everybody know there are no repercussions for doing something like that. Notre Dame doesn't take away your credentials or ban you for doing those things. You would have to do something. Uh, like that. I just, yeah, I would say there was repercussions <laughs> before. I mean, but like they've. Did you miss covering a game or a practice though? I mean, like. No, no, I didn't yeah, know because it was in the off season. Yeah. I don't think you would have been stopped from covering a, a Notre Dame football press conference during the season for the Tyson Ford story. No, it's been a long, like that was like, I remember the South Bend Tribune ran into that with Charlie Weiss, but that was a long time ago. Yeah, um, I, I can go I guess, way I guess back my point it. is no one's afraid to speak out about it. We just might not agree with you that everyone should be fired all the time. Right. In the same way, I mean, in the same way, but on the opposite side of the, of the coin of like, we thought Notre Dame was going to be good. But I think I took a lot of criticism and you guys have too, like, well, why are you questioning Tyler Buckner? Why are you questioning this, that, or the other? Why can't you be more positive? Like, why are you so negative all the time? So it's like, it, I think we're trying to sort of be down the middle on this stuff, um, offer criticism when it, when we feel like it is warranted. Um, but that's, like you said, it's a big difference than the fire everybody, change everybody in the lineup mentality that I think exists on a lot of you know, a lot of message boards. And as it relates to this company, our company, Irish Illustrate, I think Irish Illustrate asked the toughest post-game question. And I think Irish Illustrate wrote, wrote the toughest post-game editorial. So, I, you know, our conscience is clear when it comes to um, doing our jobs. And I would say editorials. Editorials. My apologies. Although I've heard there's one out there. <laughs> I've heard there's one out there. I haven't read it yet. I got it. I got it sent to me via text. I got to read it. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to. I don't want to like publicize another another website for crying out loud. No, I've heard there's one out there. I want to read it. Yes, yeah. and we are. I mean, we are not going to react to games the way fans react. We're coming from two different perspectives, and 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 that's that fair. Will, fans that, can react differently. Yes, too. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I told and, someone told me I've never watched a football game before because I was wondering what Marshall was doing when they let uh, Braden Lindsay get deep at the end of the half. How could you not understand that? I, I don't know. It's kind of weird that somebody would just not be in a prevent defense with seven <laughs> seconds left to me. Like you call it any, you name it any way you want. You call it any cloud coverage you want to talk about. That should not have happened. So I don't understand it. <laughs> That's what I mean by that. All right. We'll be back on Thursday to preview Notre Dame versus Cal. We didn't get a whole, we didn't mention a whole lot about Cal other than uh, Drew Pine making his first start against a, a, a quality defense, a, a head coach and Justin Wilcox who, is accustomed to playing quality defense. So that'll be, that'll be a particular challenge for, for Notre Dame's offense, which is uh, everything, everything looks like it's going to be a challenge for Notre Dame's offense here during the 2022 season. Thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.